to the Haps Puck Drop Podcast. This is going to be our next installment of the Player Report Cards. Um, this week's going to be a bit of an interesting one, looking at the lineup. Yeah, so we're kind of at that uh, halfway point, if you will. You know, this is the third of five segments. So we're starting to get into that, um, you know, some guys went up, some guys went down kind of yeah. transitionary uh, episode. So it's going to be a lot to talk about. It's going to be interesting, too, because it'll be a group of guys I don't think people would all kind of... Um, group together in terms of performance but when you kind of step back and think about it it, it makes sense so um they all know how it works we'll just jump right in uh first we got cory perry uh this year's grade for cory perry overall is a c plus um that's going up from the previous year's c grade so he had a up year i think everyone yeah. would basically agree that he had an up year yeah i think you'll first need to step back a little bit and like realize that c plus the fact that he increased is what is important. It's not so much the grade because, you know, Corey Perry, you know, was a fantastic player on the Montreal Canadiens this year. But, uh, and, you know, he was a great depth guy, but by no means was he, you know, like leading our team. You know what I no. mean? And, and I think that's kind of a misconception people have with these player report cards is that, you know, Corey Perry got a C plus. That means he's a bad player. Yeah, you, know, like it, it, you're, you should be more concerned with the growth of the player exactly. or the recline, which is why we have the 2019 stats to begin yeah. with. But um, yeah, like I, no one I, here I completely is upset agree. that Corey Perry. Uh, you know, no one here was expecting Corey Perry to beat out Brendan Gallagher. Absolutely, and yeah. also you know you'd think that like yeah, off the bat, the more A plus players you have, the better your team. But not necessarily only because... It's normalized. It's normalized, exactly. So, um, yeah, Corey Perry going from a C to a C plus. So coming from Dallas, if uh, those who didn't know where he was coming from before we signed him, if you remember, also very late in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, had a fantastic year for the Canadians. Very much a, uh, a leader on the team in terms of uh, veteran presence. But just really did his job on the power play and on that fourth line, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, that Stahl Army of Perry line was fantastic, and yeah. just like overview of Stahl, like I the the playoff uh, not Stahl, sorry Perry, um, the playoff run that Dallas had last year um, when Corey Perry really like stood, you know, really stood out in terms of their their offense. Uh, you know, he didn't have a he had a good regular season last year, but it's when his playoffs came around that he really, really took his game to another level. And I found he kept that game throughout our entire regular season. Which yeah. And he, and, and then he did again, kick it up a notch in yeah. the playoffs. He's, he's just, he's a gamer. He shows up at the last minute every time, which is, he's just clutch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so his overall offense went from a C plus to a B. So, you know, that's a, that's a, a another significant jump, but um, the real place where his offense shined this year was his goals. So his goals, he went from a C to a B, uh, so a full letter grade, uh, doubling his goals per game in the regular season from uh, compared to when he was on Dallas. So, you know, he definitely, that's one thing we noticed that in, in the shortened season and his role in the power play and who he played with, uh, he was scoring more goals than I think people at, at least expected him mm-hmm. to. Um, Assist-wise, um, slight drop from a B to a B minus, but there's a 0.28 to a 0.24. So that can just be directly attributed to the fact that he's scoring more goals. Um, And his points went from a C plus to a B minus. So a 0.37 to a 0.43. So, you know, net positive, definitely in terms of his offensive production on the year. And very, very noticeable because it was goal scoring. I find a lot of time when guys boost their stats by a ton 
but it's all in assists. People don't notice. Yeah. And, you know, when you're scoring goals, people notice you. So Especially the type of goals he scored. Yeah, which were big, important goals, and they were, you know, everyone's eyes are on him when he's scoring kind of thing. They weren't all tips, but they were battles in front of the net. Yeah. Some of them were just fantastic shots. I remember there was one in the playoffs where it was just vintage Corey Perry kind of just sniping it from yeah. the right side. So offense can't complain. Yeah, he still carries some of his, like, 2008 play style, 2010 play style in his back pocket, and he whips it out every once in a while when he needs to. He can't sustain it, obviously. But um, he's got, And he's got incredibly soft hands. Yeah. Every now and oh, then, yeah. he'd make a move, and you'd just be like, whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> forgot he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, yeah, did we do the defensive stats? Yeah, I, I, I'll take it, too. Um, so, defensively, he actually stayed the same. He stayed at a C grade. Um, his hits dropped from a C to a D plus. However, his hits per game increased from a 1.05 to a 1.14. So what that just means is that he, the team was hitting a lot mm-hmm. and uh, people were hitting at a higher rate than him, yeah. but he still increased his uh, his hitting. His blocks took a big jump down. That was from a B minus to a D. That's 0.58 to 0.31 blocks per game. I think that's more based on the role that he was given and also... The fact that, you know, he's in his, his late 30s. You don't really want this guy blocking all the point shots. Uh, yeah, I agree. Easier, a little more fragile. And, you know, I, I'm sure he would hate to hear that word. And, you know, it's... Uh, That's why I like him, though. Exactly. And so not fragile, like uh, delicate, but just, you know, wear and tear gets to yeah. eventually. And so lastly, takeaways from a C to a B. That's a full letter grade jump. Um, from basically the same stats, 0.3 to 0.31. But, you know, what I look at when I see this, with hits and blocks down and takeaways up, if your defensive play stays the same, he's clearly showing that he's a very cere- like cerebral player to me. This is someone who, you know, he's very active stick on the ice, and it's someone who can, you know, at, at the very least, he didn't drop off yeah. defensively. So to me, it was a, it's a good sign that his offense went up at not at the cost of his defense. Yeah, and, and you know, with that stat of a full letter grade, but basically staying the same in terms of takeaways, I think the way we have to look at this is sort of like, this is a huge plus. Even though it stayed the same, this clearly shows there's a deficiency on the Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. in terms of takeaways. Absolutely. Because in Dallas, you know, 0.3 takeaways per game put him at a C, but on the Montreal Canadiens, that put him at a D. So, like, clearly that's something we're missing. So... Uh, you know that's why his letter grade goes up. Well, that's it. And it that that's very similar to what we were talking about before with the hits. Saying you know his hits went down uh, letter grade yeah. wise, but he actually increased it because we're clearly hitting more than we're intercepting passes. Mm-hmm. And you know the analytics uh, fans there will basically say like, well, now you know you need someone who basically can uh, anticipate yeah. plays better. So uh, you went to yeah. the next player. So we're gonna our second player today is Jake Evans. So sorry, just b- before you even jump into it, I'm so happy to see him on the like upper half of the team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go ahead by all means. Yeah, so Jake Evans uh, overall he went from a C minus to a C plus. So a pretty good progression with Jake Evans this year. I think everyone can kind of attest to his game. He brought a lot of intensity uh, every time he was on the ice. Remind me a lot of like a a, a blend of. Uh, a center blend of, like, Lekkanen and Gallagher. Mm-hmm. You know, like, a little bit more, um, you know, he fires the puck a lot more than Lekkanen does, but he has that intensity that Lekkanen does that Gallagher kind of misses. Like, Gallagher's an intense player, but he's not, like, uh, it's hard to describe Lekkanen. Like, you, he's just, like, Gallagher's, Gallagher won't get off the puck like Lekkanen does, but he won't drive the boards like Lekkanen does, yeah. you know? So, and I think that's what Jake Evans kind of takes a bit out of both of their games for, so it's really exciting to see him 
uh, take an expanded role. And I think next season, obviously, we'll see even more. But uh, going into his offensive stats, uh, he went from a D plus to a C. So um, his goals this year, he went from a C plus to a C. So a slight decrease. Um, you know, last season he had 0.15 goals per game. This season he had 0.06. Um, his assist, he went from a D to a C plus. So a lot more assists, almost three times as much. He went from 0.08 assists per game to 0.21. So that's a significant improvement from last year. Uh, his point total went from a D to a C, so a full letter grade, uh, from 0.23 points per game to 0.28. So that kind of attests to like what we saw from him this year. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of shorthanded goals, even though his, his goal total went down, but where he scored was important, and he made up for it in points. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good example of a player who, you know, he tripled his assist outcome, and you wouldn't have... You wouldn't have uh, just off the sight test or sniff test, turned around and said, "Yeah, Evans had a great offensive season, yeah. comparatively speaking." It was defensively but he did. amazing, and, and yeah, and then go with go for yeah. it. So his uh, defensive stats, he went from a C to a B minus. Um, you know, his hits went from a C to a B, so huge full letter grade there. One point two three hits per game last season to one point six eight. So one of the biggest hitters on our team. That definitely passed the sniff test. Every time he's on the ice, he's hitting someone. Yeah. Uh, and that's where you get of, the comparisons to Gallagher and Lekkonen. Yeah, exactly. He's just kind of like the Tasmanian devil out there. Yeah. Just banging into everything. And, you know, while we'll keep his, his concussion, you know, history, I don't think it's uh, it's going to slow down, to be honest. No, me neither. Um, his blocks went from a D to a B minus, uh, 0.38 last season to 0.55 this season. So That's huge. That's huge. And I think that goes to, you know, it tests to his role in the penalty kill that he had this year. And he, he did a fantastic job on that. In terms of takeaways, he went even, went up to C plus to a B minus, 0.38 to 0.26. Again, this is in rel- relation to how the team did that year. Yeah, so, so the fact that his, his uh, takeaways dropped off a little and he still went up, yeah. Um, that's one, like you said, that's that's more of a comment on the team. But I also think the fact that, you know, um, his hits and his blocks went up. I, I find these stats specifically and why we chose them too is because they are somewhat codependent. Like assists and goals, for example. I, I think that when you see hits and blocks go up, it'd be very difficult to see takeaways go yeah, up as well. So the fact that his, his hits went up so much, it also shows that he's playing a bit of more physical game. Because, you know, when you're going to the corner of the boards with someone uh, with the puck, you have two options if you want to get it off. You can lift a stick or you can hit a body. And so he's clearly choosing the body more often than not, which, I mean, everyone likes that intensity. And I think it's going to serve him well uh, going forward. Who do you want to see him playing with next year? That's going to be tough. Honestly, I like him in a bottom six role, but I do prefer him not playing that cycle game. He's fast. He's gritty. Um Again, I'd love to see him with Lekkonen. Um as a third line center. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mo- like terribly opposed to that. If you know, it's it's a young center core. If we can't, yeah. If we if we can't pull in another guy like a um, maybe like a, a like an Eric Stahl type mm-hmm. to maybe pilot that third line, just because we have so many young guys up front, then I'd be okay with Jake taking the third C. Yeah. It's just. In in my world, like I, I think ideally it would be you know like Suzuki, Kotkaniemi. We get kind of like a veteran third line center that can you know really really we know what we're getting with him, mm-hmm. and then have Jake Evans pilot the fourth line. What do you think of that? I'm I'm. It depends on what the Canadians want to go with next year. If they want that fourth line to be that you know bigger body cycle thing we saw this year, mm-hmm. I don't think Evans sits that. But I I just see this this 
Lekkonen Evans Byron kind of defensive line. Yeah. That just reminds me one of Gord Goudreau and um, I always forget the last one on that line. Um, Goudreau and Coleman. And Coleman. I just they remind me so much of that and just there's like that's so much speed and intensity and like sneaky amount of skill. Yeah. That I just want to keep them together whether they are the third or fourth line. I it doesn't bother me. We run four lines anyway. But I just, I really like him with Lekkonen. I think yeah, wherever, right. like, that's another pair to keep together. The age is similar. The play style is similar. And um, I just They'd think They'd also he, play with each other on the penalty That's kill, it. They so would just have, you know, just basically swapping him in for Philip Deneau. Yeah. Overall, in terms of even, like, you know, who his friends on the team are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, agree, I agree. I think, like, yeah. you know, even realistic, I think that's realistically where, where we're heading. Because, you know, like, everyone loved that big cycle line. But reality is, is two-thirds of them are gone, so it's and, not and, going to be possible next year unless we get, you know, really, really lucky in the next month or so. And the, th- and the other thing is, is that if we are going to run with this young center core, um, Ryan Paling fits that fourth line yeah, uh, style. It's, it's super yeah. young, but we do have older wingers. Yeah. And at the very least, they each kind of play into a line that suits them. You know, mm-hmm. Suzuki's got just like the, all the talent in the world. Kotkaniemi has that kind of, like, size that he's growing into. Evans has that grittiness, and then Paling can really learn to play, like, that cycle game down low. Similar in terms of size, but I think Kotkaniemi's talent level is a little higher than Paling's. Mm-hmm. So... I'd love to be... I'd love to be wrong about Ryan Paling, honestly. I, I, I'd i love for this guy to come out and just get, like, a 30-point seed and 35-point season. Like, I think that'd just be... And I think we're the team that can do that form in the bottom six, yeah. given our talent keeps getting pushed down uh, based on the amount of wingers we signed. But... Yeah. Like, um, I really wouldn't be surprised if he plays, um, you know, a decent amount of games next season and... You know, like I think a, he has to. You know, you I can't just know have who, him like just perpetually in Laval. No, and, and honestly, it's. I think he's. I think he's learned what he needs to learn there, and I. I don't see a point in keeping him in purgatory no, I, there. I, I, and I. I think like, um, you know, you also run the risk at this point of changing his game too much for the AHL style of play, and and that's not. That's you know, we saw that a lot with like a like a Michael McCarron, where yeah. you know we kept that guy down there, and then we bring him up you every don't. once in a while to see if he's you know, ready to make that step, but we realized that he's basically just a, you know, a big bruiser on the ice. And he yeah, just who did, can't hit. Can't hit, you know, <laughs> it's like he would overcommit to these checks, and uh, how many times did we see McCarron overcommit to a check, completely miss someone, and they just squeak yeah, through. Yeah, and he can't skate either. I mean, yeah. he's a whole mess. He's, he's among the many yeah, first-round picks, yeah. but I, I do blame but the it, Canadians organization to a yeah, certain degree. Uh, but I think I, I'm using him as a basically a, a staple point in the AHL of, like, why you don't keep a guy down there too long. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, since it was especially in our organization, I think we've probably learned to not do that. I, I agree. And I, I think we've touched on it before. I think when you're dealing with prospects in the AHL or not, I think really the AHL is meant to basically toughen guys up. There's no kind of talent that you're learning down yeah. Like a guy we were saying, like Caulfield and Suzuki – one or two games max. Yeah, Kale but Fleury would did, did amazing. He did great. Kotkaniemi had a much better time, and he bounced back. Ryan Paling had a great season in Laval. Yeah, but I agree. I think it's time to bring him in. You know what? I'm I'm thinking about it more and more now. I don't mind having a young center core. Honestly, just let them grow. Like we we at some point these guys need to be the centermen. So. Yeah, I, I don't mind so much. I I and especially since they, it seems to be a very responsible center core. Mm-hmm. The only issue I think that you know. 
you take these guys' names out of the lineup and you, you say that we have a center core, I, I, a young center core, I think most people's uh, initial jerk reaction is like, well, what do you need for the penalty kill? Because exactly. usually, you know, it's the older guys and they're, you know, their late 20s, early 30s that are, you know, vets, uh, you know, early vets in the league that really, really yeah. thrive in the penalty kill. But Jake Evans has shown that he can do yeah. it. And, and we also forget Jake Evans. He's by no means a vet. But at the same time, he started late. He's 25. 25 yeah. So, you know, again, there's a certain point where that transition of power has to happen with Dano. Uh, you know, I was going to say abandoning us, yeah. leaving the team. Uh, it, you know, it might just be time to just kind of bite the bullet a little, at least on the centerman, yeah. and just go for it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll jump into the third player here. Um, this one's kind of anticipated, I'm sure, but uh, Shea Weber dropping from a B to a C plus. Um, by all metrics, he had a tough year this year. Yeah. Um, as we know now, though, he was dealing with a lot of wear and tear and injuries. So his offense dropped a full letter grade from a B to a C. Um, goals dropping from a B to a C plus. That's .23 down to .13. Um, assists from a B to a B minus. So .32 to a .27. And points from B minus to C. So .55 down to .40. So, you know, we did notice that, especially I think this comes from his lack of uh, time on the power play. Shea Weber had a hard time putting up points this year yeah. compared to others, but at the same time, he wasn't relied on as strongly. Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to make an excuse for every time a player has a like a down season on the team, but um, that is like a genuine thing that we did notice is that while our power play at times was rough, it was overall I felt more well rounded and a bit better. Yeah, and I think. You know, because, and I think, again, this year with the guys we added, we'll see it happen again where yeah. people kind of spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, uh, Mike Hoffman's going to really, really turn us around. Like, you know, I there's few players, as you know, that, like, I really, you know, put all my eggs in one basket mm-hmm. for, but on the pen- power play, like, I'm honestly all in on that guy. Like, he, he knows yeah. how to put the puck in the net on the power play. Yeah, and it, it's just... At this point, with the amount of goal scores we've added, it's just it's it's yeah. uh, it almost feels inevitable. You know what yeah. I mean? It's almost like we needed power play goals, and he needed a team to play for. Yeah. So, um, yeah, looking at Shea's defense, um, B minus down to a C plus. Um, his hits from a B to a C minus. That's one point seventy two down to one point forty six. His blocks from an A to an A minus. That's one point seventy five down to a one point forty two. And his takeaways went up from a D to a C. That's point twenty eight, actually dropping to a point twenty three. So we had a rough takeaways this year. Yeah, it's it was interesting. It was well for one thing. I think the fact that his takeaways went down, but I'll say up on the team, while his hits and blocks went down, is kind of the inverse of Jake Evans. I think he started to feel kind of the wear and tear and needed to start playing a more. Um, like stick heavy game. I, I definitely noticed his hitting down. Yeah, and I mean he would still throw the occasional cross check, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think anyone had a problem with his defense. I also think you know I'm, I'm going to highlight block specifically, but he dropped from an A to an A minus. So while that is a drop, that's like he's still in the A minus range, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal grade. Um, I, I it's tough because most of his stats this year are red, but. I think it was from the fact that he did take a reduced role on the team overall. You know, we really ran two top defensive yeah. pairs. 
Um, and as, like I said, as we know, he was quite, you know, kind of battered and tattered the entire year, and we didn't even realize it. So yeah. it speaks a lot to how he played. And his numbers, nothing dropped terribly. You know, it was like there were slight drops here and there. Um, but the, bi- the big thing for me, yeah, is just I see that green on his takeaways and compared to his hits and blocks. And I, I just think that he started needing to use his yeah. stick more, which is kind of uh, the first sign of, like, true aging. I think when you can't, like, keep up with the young ones anymore yeah. and you need to kind of uh, anticipate and play a bit smarter. It's just insane because, like, you, you know, we're talking about guys in their 30s. I, I mean, it's just it's incredible how this sport works because, like, you even look at the NFL and it doesn't work like this. No. I mean, like, it's strange. It's I mean, it's like... You know, uh, besides running backs and whatnot, like, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't have long careers, but the guys that do, like, you know, they, they play well into their early 30s, and, like, they, obviously it's a very much more physical sport, but, mm-hmm. like, uh, it's very strange, and I, um, you know, I guess it it has less to it, it has less to do with the age than it has to do with the mileage, per se. Like, I was going to say, I, I also wonder if, like, the cardiovascular component of it, like, actually, like, like ages them more because of just... Like how yeah. much well, they're pushing themselves. Yeah. There's a lot of oxidative stress, obviously, but I, I I doubt that's a significant contributor. I think it's just you know a repeated injury, injury, yeah. injury, scar tissue, scar tissue, and then eventually it gets to a point where um, you have so many joints that are immobile. And I just know, look at someone like Joe Thornton. Look at his ankle. His ankle's yeah. like a you know his ankle's like all metal at this point. That, that's true. I'm saying, I just, for me, it's also like, I look at someone like Joe Thornton, he looks like, he looks older than, like, my grandparents. I know. And he's 40. Like, yeah. that's the part I understand, is, like, he's actually, like, like grayed and wrinkled. Like, Even that's Dan Chara, like, early 40s, yeah. it's like, I swear this guy's in his 50s. No, oh, exactly. Like, and, like, Shea Weber doesn't look 35. No. 36, whatever he is. He looks like, again, like, it's 50. Late 40s, yeah. early 50s. And yeah. so, you know, it's yeah, just, interesting. It's yeah. like, we, you know, you respect it, because they, yeah. you know, it just, it's always so shocking to see their age. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so going to number four, my favorite, Jonathan Druin. <laughs> um, so, you know... Before we get cancelled here or something like that, okay. we're not going to comment on his departure or anything like that. This is purely an analytics thing. Yeah, um, and it's that's, not even that it, bad. It has no impact either way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, he, it's on yeah. a per game basis. So on a per has... game basis. So overall, he stayed the same. He went from a C to a C. Um, his offense um, stayed the same again, B to a B. So that basically passes the sniff test for me. I mean, this guy's just an assist machine. He doesn't do much yeah. else. Um, goals, B to a C minus. Big drop. Big, big drop. So 0.26 goals per game to 0.05. So basically zero in my book. I mean, he basically didn't score this year. Yeah, I think he, he had two goals or something like that. It was two goals, yeah. yeah. Um, assist, he went from a B- minus to an A. So 0.30 to 0.48. So it kind of makes up for his points that kind of stayed static. He stayed at a B, 0.56 to 0.52. So his points stayed the same. Lost on goals, gained on a few more assists. Um, very, very similar play to, to last year. Jonathan Druin, just with different line mates. I don't. I do not know this guy fits in this team anymore. Like I, I don't know where I, we're gonna put there's, him. There's nowhere. We already have too many wingers, and he just doesn't fit the mold. I'd be. I'd be really surprised if he plays next year for us. Yeah, and I, I, I think he's gonna yeah. play in the NHL. Just gonna make that clear. I just yeah, mean, like, not for I, the Canadians. I don't think he's gonna play with the Canadians. You just look at our wing depth right now. They're like, where's the guy gonna play? Well, that's it. And I, you know, I see a lot of people online, especially having him playing with Caulfield and Suzuki, just to like boost him basically and saying he's a skill guy who hasn't played with that level and it's like we you you can't start also then taking away ice time from guys like Toffoli and Hoffman yeah. 
and Anderson even just because you want to fit Jonathan Norman. Also, that line would get bullied to no end. Yeah. I mean, like, you need a guy to play with Caulfield that's going to, like, actually, like, he doesn't need to be a bruiser by any means, but I just mean, like, this guy needs to be able to stand up to people. And, Absolutely. Like, you know, Tyler Toffoli is, is fine even with yeah. me. I mean, I, I, that's not the line oh, I would Anderson's look at. Obviously Anderson would be number one, but... I mean, even if they wanted to go with a Toffoli line, which I, I wouldn't love, but regardless, they're going to try things out. Toffoli's gritty enough that I'd be fine. I just mean anyone but Jonathan Drew. Yeah, there. and and this is also something important to mention. Uh, it's an 82-game schedule. We're going to have the luxury of giving five, six-game tryouts yeah. to lines again. We don't have two games to figure it out and yeah. move on. We can actually try new things yeah. and have practice yeah. and, like... Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I, I'm curious because we have something like, like 14 wingers right now and mm-hmm. technically like three centermen. So I, I think we're I, looking for a centerman. There's gotta be a trade. There's gotta be a trade coming. And you know yeah. what? Like Druin has, he's, I don't know how he's walked this line that well. I have to give him credit for it. And it's partly the media and the coaching and everything, but he's clearly a 50 point winger that like still has that, that kind of, yeah, like potential that they talk about of this, like, like a point per game guy. Yeah, he has this aura that like doesn't leave him. That's like this and like not this just for halo us. of like ninety point guy. That's gonna he's he's about to break out. It's like we're long past. Well, him and now. that's the thing is it's it's not even that the fact that he's French Canadian or anything. It's just there's something about this guy that teams no, are in Tampa. Yeah, his teams are still <laughs> interested. Yeah. And, like, wherever he goes, I'm sure they're going to say, oh, this is a playmaking, yeah. like, power play quarterback that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he's not. Even just with our depth chart, I, I can just, he's going to be part of a package that gets us a center that's in his late 20s. I, yep. I guarantee it. Uh, 100%. I, you know, as, as much as I agree with you and I like our young center core, I, I think Bergeron sees that as a weakness. And, like, we're going to look for a, a centerman in his late thir- in his late 20s, uh, early 30s. Not oh, late, yeah, I do agree. Not late 30s. <laughs> late 30s. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, he's going to be part of that and... Um, yeah, I, I no, I, I agree. It's, it's we'll see what happens, but uh, I do agree with you. Yeah, I think we're gonna see the switcheroo sort of with Evans and Paling. Like, yeah, you know, Evans gonna really like for the most part have that spot, but we're gonna give Paling a, a couple, a couple looks of and games, everything. Yeah. Definitely. So let's talk about um, his defense. Yeah, so his defense went up a little bit, which is you know uh, basically not noticeable. Yeah, <laughs> D to a D plus. Uh, his hits went stay the same. D to a D. So point nine three to point nine five. Um, actually, he hits more than I thought he would. But. Yeah, he every now and then I noticed that he is six feet tall and two hundred and five pounds. Yeah. He throws his body around, but he only does it when he's frustrated. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's not a grit thing. It's he'll throw, and by that I mean he, you know, he throws less than a hit a game. Yeah, but <laughs> it's that one hit when he goes into the corner and jumps into the guy. It's like, oh, okay, I forgot he actually can do that. But yeah. it's definitely not part of his game. It's usually he does this where he has like four hits in a game, five hits in a game when he hasn't gotten a point in like twenty yeah, games, exactly. and he gets frustrated but uh going into his blocks so this is our our first f actually yeah. ever so he had an f last year he has an f this year 0.19 to 0.16 so this guy's just not blocking shots not that i really care but you know uh but just do like that that's a yeah. te- this is the thing for me blocks is a team yeah, I know. mentality if you have a lot of blocks like i look at a guy like uh jake evans who increased his blocks from 0.38 which was double jonathan drew in that year to point fifty five, like you're jumping in front of pucks, like you know you're a young guy. Like we were saying with Corey Perry and Shea Weber, you know you don't have, but still Shea's blocking almost one and a half shots per game. Corey Perry even point three one. Yeah. Um, just get in front of a shot. Like point sixteen means it hit you by accident. Yeah, basically. Uh, his takeaways increased from a B minus to an A. 
Uh, just again goes to show you how little this team does uh, takeaways, but it goes from a B minus to an A, 0.44 to 0.39. So, so they went down. Um, yeah, so they went down again. That's that's, that's my point. It's like we just don't do any takeaways. No, so. exactly. And this this is another good example of why I think people will call him a skill player because they're like, oh look, he he increased his ability to uh, uh, you know like use his stick in like defensively and this mm-hmm. and that. Like I just find. It's always constantly about his speed and his stick, and, like, I just... It, it gets to a point where, like, I, I'm not denying the guy doesn't have all the talent in the world. He was third overall for a reason. He had 127 points in his draft year, um, in the, like, in the queue. Mm-hmm. He's a great hockey player. It's it's an effort issue for me, I believe, yeah, amongst too. other things. But uh, the main issue, I think, is effort. And so, you know, I, if, if we could transfer those abilities to a guy like Lekkanen, oh. you all of a sudden you have Connor McDavid. Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah. And so, you know, as as much as, like you said, we're not going to get into the personal details and everything, but as, as a pure hockey move, I think it's time to move on from Drew yeah, I think it's best I, for us, it's best for him. Yeah, and given, like, like honestly, given that Sergeyev has back-to-back Stanley Cups... And they just beat Montreal. It's like, had Jonathan Drew been there, probably would have been worse. Mm-hmm. Just get him out of the, the spotlight. Send him to a team that can kind of play him in the middle six, where they don't really notice him. That, you know, just needs guys who can play an offensive game. Like, you know, like send him to an Arizona. Yes, just let him, let him go play. Honestly, send him to Columbus. I've said it a few times on the podcast. Reunite him with Max Domi. It was his best year. It was Max Domi's best year. Like, yeah. just, just go for it at that point you're not going to get a big return whatever you're going to get for Jonathan Druin is not going to be equal to Mikhail Sergeyev and if it is then Mark Bergevin is getting GM of the year yeah but um yeah do do your best to just move on from him and get whatever you can yeah I agree um yeah we'll look at our fifth and last player for today it is Joel Edmondson um this is the most surprising one for me so far I think yeah, and I, I I know why, but I I have a, like my own opinion. So he he stayed at a C. So he was a C in twenty nineteen. Stayed at a C. Um, offensively stayed from a C minus to a C minus. Um, goals from a C to a C minus. So his goals per game got cut in half. Point one to point oh five. Uh, his assist his assists stayed at a C. Uh, 0.19 to 0.18, and his points overall went from a D plus to a D, 0.29 to 0.24. I'm going to just go through all of them and then just give my opinion on it. So defensively, he goes from a B to a B minus. Uh, hits stay at a B from 1.74 up to 1.78. Uh, blocks stay at an A from 1.34 to 1.36. And takeaways go from a C to a D minus, 0.34 to 0.11. So the only big changes are goals and takeaways, where he basically cut in his stats in half or more. The rest really stayed within the margin of error. Yeah. Um, I actually like this stat for him overall. Like, I'm I'm surprised, but like pleasantly surprised. Even though there's more decreases, he stayed within the range that he's a stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah, I, I, I'm not looking at his offense at all. Like, even though his overall takes into account both, for me, his overall is actually his defensive stat. Right, I, and even then, I'm saying. Yeah, um, I went down slightly, but I I a very want strong my defensive defenseman to stay as like like even as possible. I don't need these guys jumping up. Mm. I just want to see if they drop. Yeah. But a defensive defenseman who can maintain his stats throughout his career is, I, I think, vital. Because this just means that you know exactly what you're getting with this guy. And 
the, like we've said before, the best kind of defenseman is the boring one that you don't notice. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, you'll see a lot more volatile movement in terms of, like, a Jeff Petrie, who it's like when he's on, he's a top five in the league, and when he's off, he's bottom five. Yeah. When Joel Edmondson has a great year, he's in the 51st percentile, and or 49th, and when he has a bad year, he's at 51. Yeah. So I was actually quite like happy to see this to a certain degree where offense didn't move defense barely moved most of his stats went up but just happened to fall into the same category and his overall stayed the same so to me Joel Edmondson just proved that he is like a pillar on defense and can handle the role that we gave him because that was the big criticism when we signed him is that this is a guy who can play in the bottom four this is a guy who can play in your top two oh, yeah. with the right defenseman. And a lot of people didn't believe in that when we signed him. Yeah. But I think we're going on the third UFA signing in a row, Sherrod Edmondson and now Savard, of just guys who make $3.5 million yeah. a couple of years who are just stuff. just staples on yeah, defense. This is what I want. I love it. Clearly this is what worked in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, Edmondson's got a lot more physicality than people think. And, you know, we saw a lot of that in the playoffs. He's um, a bit of a nutcase, he's too. He's a bit I of like a nutcase, yeah. And I think he's going to really take up that um, part of that mantle that's being lost with Shea Weber. I mean, like, you know, Savard and Sherrod are definitely going to pick that up. But, um, you know, Edmondson was a lot more aggressive in front of the net protecting Carey than I think a lot of people were going to expect from him. And I, I really love that part of his game. I completely agree. And I think just touching on what you said about Shea Weber, about kind of replacing him, Mark Bergevin put it really well when he just said you don't replace Shea Weber with one player. Yeah. Um, but if you think about it, what Shea Weber brought to the team in terms of uh, overall, I would say it's the leadership, it's the physicality, and it's the power play. And, I mean, you add Savard for the physicality, you add uh, Hoffman for the power play, you even add Weidman, we yeah. forget about him. Um, you know, like you said, you have Edmondson who's going to take more of a role um, in terms of leadership. Uh, you know, I, I know it's not the same degree, but we did bring on some veterans like Perrault yeah. and, I mean, Savard too, to a certain degree. And so, you know, we're seeing it kind of happen that we're taking bits and pieces of what Shea Weber, you know, left in terms of a mark on the team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he just, he, uh, clearly there's a plan in place. Um, the one thing I did want to mention, though, just because it goes with my point I was saying before, is that, you know, his, his takeaways took a big drop from point thirty four to point eleven, but his hits and blocks went way up. So, yeah. um, again, this is, he's resorting to hitting, yeah. which is like, I like that because, you want that from him. It would be really, really sketchy if his hits went down. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm really happy with this play this year, and I, I kind of, you know, after your explanation, I kind of agree. This is where he should be, and um, you know, it's cool that his offensive stats literally stayed C minus C minus because that's basically where I think most people would have him. Um, you know, just looking at our depth chart. So yeah, and and just the ability to produce at a rate that puts him in the same. Uh, spot from year to year is important. I would say it's like almost equally as important as growing just because um, I, I, the only way I can put this is just like I never want to rely on Joel Edmondson for goals. No. But if his offense is kind of like a mainstay on the team, it's just one less thing to worry about, you know? And in terms of just significant stats... This sums up our, I mean, our, our defense going into this year is like I, I think our... You look at our defensive core, especially our top four right now, and like the vibe I get from it is just nothing to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's solid, exactly very very just solid defense. Very core. very solid, and like 
no no issue that no, needs addressing. Uh, yeah, no wild cards there. Just like exactly. we're getting we're getting like in our top four at least, like three guys who will not miss a beat defensively in Sherrod, Edmondson, and Savard. And then, you know, per- Petrie, when he wants to play, you know, he's a, he's an average defensive guy, but we do need that offensive spark there. And Absolutely. I, I think, and like, I think it's important to mention, too, that, like, if Petrie knows there's now two full lines of hockey yeah. that are just shut down, he'll be a little more yeah, aggressive. I, I agree. Um, I'm just saying, I'm looking at now in terms of significant stats, uh, you know, Jake Evans, great, great, great year. Perry, actually, solid year. Um, I would say Drew in his assists and his goals offset, like we said, mm-hmm. which he neutralizes himself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just a, it's an accurate feel to the season, but you know, just, I'm counting them off just briefly at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight increases in terms of significant stats and only four decreases amongst these five guys. Now, Perry's gone. Um, we're predicting Ed, uh, Drew in to potentially be gone but you know that still has evans essentially um best way i could put it is just kind of canceling out the guys we're losing yeah in terms of growth and you know it's nice to see that the guys who are in their early 20s to mid 20s are the ones that are growing so um i don't know it's just another one of those like sneaky signings by bergevin where evans was someone who um just anyone could have had him he was coming out of college as a ufa and we we just jumped on it. So good contract on him too. Uh, I I just I have good feeling about Jake Evans going to the next year. Did I get you with that cocky Emmy meme this one? Yes, you got on that one. I sent Jesse a Instagram message of this like spoof contract going around, but it was like super super authentically made. But it had us locking down cocky Emmy for eight years at six point five mil. But uh, I almost threw up in my bed. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I think we're going to probably end up just continuing with the report cards until they're done before we have another segment. Yeah. There's not much else going on. You know, August is kind of the dead period for mm-hmm. hockey. But um, Although we have some interviews here. Yeah, we're going to try and reach out, especially to within the organization, prospects, people who work for the Habs. Um, you know, hopefully we can even get someone on a roster. Yeah, just to get their their vibe going into the next season. Because I think that's a, on a lot of people's mind. Is like, you know, we had a lot of bad news coming out of the season. Um, and a lot of, like, bittersweet feelings. Like, you know, we made it to the cup, but at what cost? We're losing Shea. You know, we lost Perry. You know, it, it's, it's going to be a different team next year. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in, in all aspects of the Habs organization, how they feel going into next year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So I think uh, on that note, we will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.